Today's podcast is brought to you by Auto Conversion. B2B companies are faced with a multitude of challenges today when it comes to sales and marketing. The perpetual need to be creating demand will almost never subside. But with so much noise in the marketplace, how can your company's message cut through and reach your target audience? At Auto Conversion, we have a way. Through conversations and relationships, we help our clients form, package, and deliver their branded messages in unique ways that create awareness, spark interest, and drive demand. Find out how in our brand new B2B Demand Generation Quick Start Guide, which you can download free today at www.autoconversion.net. If you aren't growing your business, then your business is shrinking. Get the free guide today. Hey, we got a good show lined up for you today. 20 years into the internet for the auto industry. To me, that's the biggest change of what's going on. All right. So as I said, National Good Samaritan Day. I'll give you a little, uh, little background. This is observed on March 13th. That's today. It's also known as Good Samaritan Involvement Day. It is a day for unselfish actions to those to help those in need and to celebrate kindness. So... The term Samaritan, I'm pretty sure we're all familiar with, but the term Good Samaritan comes from a parable in the Bible where a Samaritan helps a stranger who had been robbed and beaten and left to die by the side of the road. And this Samaritan not only cleaned the man's wounds and clothed him, but took him to an inn and paid for the man's care. And the term is used today to describe those who perform acts of kindness for those in need, especially who are strangers. I think that's the key there. So, how can we observe National Good Samaritan Day? You can make an effort to help someone who is struggling, maybe who has a problem, and you can use the hashtag Good Samaritan Day in your social media, which I did take the moment to do on my LinkedIn post, but I was not able to do it on Facebook. Facebook is all whack today, so uh, had issues there. So let's get started. I like to open up with some news items and... If um, unless you've got your head in the sand, you're well aware of uh, the uh, plane crash the other day in Ethiopia, and the plane was a 737 Max 8, which is a relatively new jetliner by Boeing. And everybody on the plane perished. It, it crashed shortly after takeoff, and my condolences to the friends and families and, and, uh, and loved ones of those, you know, the passengers and crew that is, um, uh, you know, obviously just a horrible tragedy. And they've recovered the black box. But the, the problem here is this is the second crash in as few as five months of the same plane. And as a result, uh, the, uh, many countries, Ethiopia for one, grounded those planes immediately, and so did a few other countries that same day. I I know China was one uh, that grounded them. Now, news just came out, like literally as we were taking to the air, that Trump is now ordering that those planes be ground here in the U.S. as well. And it was causing some controversy that the FAA was not grounding those planes even as late as today. Canada, either late last night or this morning, uh, decided that they were going to ground those planes. And from what I understand, in the U.S., Southwest and American Airlines 
combined have over 60 of these Boeing 737s in, in service. And so those have now officially been grounded. And I guess I posed a question to you. If, if you knew you were getting on one of those planes right now, knowing what you know, the question is, you know, would you feel safe or would you, would you pass on the flight? So I'm going to check the watch pages in a minute and uh, see what kind of responses we have from anyone that's tuning in live. And if you are here live, thank you for being here. If you're watching the recording, then uh, thanks for tuning in to the full video replay. We do record the show every week and I release it out onto the Auto Converse podcast. So if you're into podcasting, please go search for Auto Converse in your preferred podcasting app. And we then feature the show on our blog. So you can go to autoconverse.com and uh, have these uh, shows delivered to you via email. Uh, I did just send out the text code. If you want us to deliver this show right to your phone every week, then get out your phone now and text the keyword autoconverse to 64600. And I got to tell you, it's the best way to go. So you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, or you can get these sent to you right on your phone. Okay, so also in the news, uh, there's this guy named Elon Musk who just can't seem to get the SEC off his back. And they I mentioned this last week. And thanks, by the way, last week to Bill Satry and Darren Barnesworth for coming on and having a nice discussion about music and motorcycles and and marketing. Actually, we didn't end up talking about motorcycles. And uh, Darren is on tour uh, this week in uh, Europe, I believe. So I hope he's having a great time. Um, so Tesla, the SEC down Elon's throat uh, for his tweets. And last, uh, just a few days ago, they announced Tesla that they were going to start shutting down stores. They're going to start shutting down stores. They weren't going to shut them all down so that they wouldn't have to um, keep jack the price above their cars. Now it comes out that they're not going to close their stores. They're actually going to, uh, going to increase the prices. And I found a bit of, uh, I found some, just a, a great comment here from a gentleman uh, that I'm connected with on LinkedIn. His name is Joe Pistel. And listen to what he says. Dear Tesla investors, you should be aware that no one buys more cars than U.S. franchise dealers. 20,000 stores buy and sell 16 million units a year, and they're staffed and eagerly waiting for their OEMs to close the EV tech gap. When that day arrives, car dealers are prepared to bring decades of guerrilla warfare to bear overnight. So while Team Elon is flip-flopping on closing stores, your exalted ruler is showing signs that he's stretched so thin that he'll run himself and your investment dangerously close to the edge of the abyss. Pretty strong words. Be curious to know if you agree or disagree. And you know, let's do this. Let's, Jude, I'm going to go ahead and bring your, ask you to start your video and your microphone. There we go. Hello. Ryan, hey, how are you? Welcome. Welcome to Auto Converse. Good to have you here. Thanks for having me. Jude, as I said, is from Ad Colony. You're, you're dialed in with us uh, in, uh, in New York, correct? Correct. Okay. We're on, the, on the big island? <laughs> right, in the, right in the dead center. There you go. There you go. Well, thanks for tuning in. You, now, I, I just 
talked about Boeing, talked, mentioned, I brought up Tesla. I'll get to Tesla in a minute, but uh, on a, on a sentimental note, you know, knowing, knowing what we know about Boeing and the planes being grounded, you travel a lot. What are your thoughts? Would you, if these planes weren't grounded, you knew you were getting on, on one of these planes, would you, would you, would you do it? Yeah. I mean, obviously it's a terrible tragedy, right? And the Good Samaritan thing you said, I mean, the Good Samaritan and all of us feels, you know, terrible and sends best thoughts and wishes to all the, the victims and the families. Um, I'm a father, I'm a husband, uh, you know, my family means the world to me. And yes, uh, my career is the only thing that rivals that. Uh, every time I travel, typically it is for work. So if I was getting on a plane, typically it's to go to a really important meeting with a client. Um, if I was at the gate and they announced that the plane I'm about to be getting on is one of these Boeing 737s and you have the option to turn around, like that would be a tough decision for me, right? Um, if I was to call my client and tell them I couldn't make it in because I was scared to get on a plane, don't know how well that would go over. But sure. if, I, if I do get on a plane, uh, uh, I'm obviously putting that ahead of the people I'm responsible for. So it would really be a difficult decision. I'm not someone who gets stressed out about flying, but uh, I don't know. It would definitely give me a lot of pause. Uh, I'd rather just not know, to be truthful. <laughs> <laughs> what you don't know doesn't, doesn't hurt you, right? It would hurt you, apparently, but yeah. uh, I would like to think it would well, it's, it's a tough spot. And I, I truly hope, personally, that it turns out that, the, that these issues are unrelated to the, to the engineering of the plane. Because I was just thinking, I mean, these things are plane crashes. They're so infrequent, right? That obviously, when you see a link between two that happen in, in such a close time frame, it's natural to have these thoughts uh, and they should be investigated. But uh, it would be terrible for everybody if, if there was a linkage and we all knew we were flying on these planes regularly and they had to pull them out. Um, it would be a big hit to the industry. It would. It'd be a, it'd be a huge mess for, uh, mess for Boeing. From what I understand, they're a $100 billion business and the, Boeing, uh, the, the jetliner business, their commercial business, is more than half of that. It's about 60%. So, um, yeah, that would be... That would be frightening. You know, I, I just heard on the news today, you remember the Takata recall with um, uh, all the airbags for, you know, millions of cars, I think about four years ago. Uh, Honda now has to recall, I didn't get the number, but they're now recalling, I think, over a million cars that were replaced with the Takata airbag for faulty engineering. So, um, yeah, you know, there only so much you can control and you, we do have choices but uh like you said sometimes what you don't know does can hurt you what you don't know <laughs> so switching gears what about what about tesla you're a business guy you, you come from a uh, a startup that's now public so you, you know you see someone like elon fighting with the sec what's your kind of impression from the outside looking in around tesla or or elon himself with um with all that's going on with these uh, flip-flopping? Yeah, um, not really going to comment much on the SEC part. Probably not as versed on that uh, as I could be. But, I mean, ultimately, I mean, I have tremendous respect for him. Incredibly smart guy. Runs a major, you know, global company that, for the all intents purposes, is doing very well, right? But uh, the whole, we're closing stores, we're not closing stores, uh, it doesn't seem like a lot of thought 
went into that decision uh, in order to backtrack it that fast. Uh, don't know what new information could have become available in 48 hours to cause that big of a flip flop. But uh, yeah, it just it, it's odd to see a decision like that made and then called back, announced even, and then called back. You know? Yeah, and what I wonder is, I I I don't think it's just Elon. You know kind of doing whatever he wants. I, he's got to be talking to uh, an inner group and a core and they have to be making these decisions together. I, I can't imagine that that he's just going to wake up one day and make these announcements. So to me, I would I would expect that, yes, they this was a group decision to go out with the announcement and it's a group decision to, to go to back. Yeah. So. yeah, I mean, I, I've read somewhere that, you know, upwards of almost 80% of all of their sales comes from their online store anyway. So a statistic like that, you know, supports potentially closing some in-market stores. It doesn't, it seems like a, a uncommon car buying experience, right? Some of the stuff we're going to go into in a little bit, um, let you know that well over half or, or over half of most auto uh, buyers do intend to visit dealerships and stuff like that. And it seems like the Tesla buying experience differs from that. But uh, again, decisions are made based off of data and, I can't see how the data could have changed that that rapidly. Now you heard me read uh, from uh, from a gentleman on uh, one of my colleagues on LinkedIn. Now he suggests that Elon is stretched too thin. Would you uh, agree with that statement? I'm stretched very thin running the you know company I'm running, and uh, his is way bigger than mine. Right, so I would I would have to say yes. Uh, yeah. There's only so much time in a day, and uh, he he's got to be everywhere at this point time it's it's pretty amazing when you think about you know what he's juggling uh very very impressive i admire elon and i'm always rooting for him i've followed him for years uh he's an inspiration and he's you know he's i i just i just you know i i, I hope i hope things work out for him and I'm, I'm confident they will well good so i've got up here the global car buying study from ad colony uh you guys do stuff like this a lot could you take a moment, Jude, and introduce yourself and, and Ad Colony for us? Sure. So I am general manager of our North American brand business. Um, that's the division of our company that works with Fortune 500 brands and their advertising agencies. Um, we work, auto manufacturers is a large part of um, our paying client base. Uh, we conducted a study. Uh, well, I guess I should go into who Ad Colony is. Ad Colony is the largest in-app mobile advertising platform in the world. So we work with app developers to embed our technology within their app to allow them to monetize their app via video ads. And we then are the largest supplier of those video ads in the ecosystem. Uh, so again, we help app developers monetize their business via video ads. Uh, a lot of our clients are auto manufacturers. We conducted a study, uh, it's a global study, but most of the respondents, over 50% of the respondents were here in the North America. Uh, North America. We had over 600 total respondents uh, ranging from ages 18 to 75. And they were asking you know, a whole bunch of varying questions about uh, how do they conduct research? How do they go about their car buying experience? You know, here in calendar year 2019, uh, to give us some good information to not only share with our clients, but also like to to really understand the, the journey and how it's changed throughout the years because it's changed wildly, like pretty much any other you know buying process 
uh, retail, probably the one that's gone through the most auto experience isn't much different. So let me rephrase that ad colony provides app developers, the ability to serve ads in an app video ads specifically. Exactly. Right. So, um, the most common experience would be, you know, you're, you're in an app, there's natural breaks within predominantly gaming apps. Gaming. Yes. So gaming, utility, lifestyle apps. Um, that's where the majority of our inventory will be found. Um, typically it's within common breaks in, in gameplay. So let's say you're playing a, a round of poker, uh, one hand's dealt, the, the round is played. You might see an ad in between the next hand being dealt. Um, the most common usage is a user-initiated value exchange video. Um, the best example I usually give people to kind of right away really get a good understanding of what it is. You know, let's say you're at an airport, you go through TSA, you now have an hour to kill before your flight you'll try to log on the Wi-Fi, right? You'll typically see that it's $30 for one hour worth of Wi-Fi, or you can get 30 minutes free by watching this video from our sponsor. What, what do we all do? We all watch the video from the sponsor. We have a positive brand moment with whatever brand it is. It just you know, gave us this video to grant us the 30 minutes of free, uh, free, wi- free Wi-Fi. And uh, we then go about our day, right? Within gaming apps, it's very similar, right? When you're trying to unlock new content within the game, you're trying to get new coins or in-game currency, you can choose to watch a video in exchange for something that's going to help you in your app experience. The technology you described with, with the, uh, being at the airport, does Ad Colony provide that or you just use that as, a, as an example? The best example that the, every single person pretty much you're going to talk to can relate to, right? Okay. Everyone is a mobile gamer. Uh, 2.4 billion people play mobile games. So it's really hard to hear that stat, but then also meet someone who says they don't play mobile games. But uh, it, it's by far the easiest example to give somebody for them to really understand it. 2.4 billion people worldwide play games on their smartphones. Pretty wild statistic, right? I mean, it's not surprising. I, I'm not much into games personally, but I play chess and I play poker. <laughs> so. Right. I'm one of them, right? So yeah, I guess all of us have something. I have a couple word games I play. I got a couple card games I play, right? Um, it, it's pretty cool, right? Because typically it, it's, it's an add-on to the experience you're doing, right? A lot of people do it during their leisure time, right? So when they're watching TV, they have their device in their hand at the same time, right? TV commercial comes on, they direct their attention from what they're watching down to the game. They interact with the game show comes back on, they might then divert their attention back, but then they're coming back to the game very shortly thereafter. Um, a lot of people do it on their commute to work. I sit on trains, you know, for an hour a day to and from work every single day. Uh, I'm, I'm engaging on my phone, you know, playing games a lot, you know, and um, there's a big misconception as well on who the, the typical gamer is, right? When people think of, you know, a, a gaming user, right or wrong, I know it's wrong. Um, and, unfair. They think of it as the 30 plus year old male who's still living in his parents' basement, you know, you know, not doing much with his life and just playing games, right? Mm-hmm. I, that's not even the real demographics of a console gamer, but a mobile gamer is far different, right? Sure. Believe it or not, 60 plus percent of mobile gamers are actually female. 40 plus years old, head of household, they come from uh, high household incomes, a lot of them are making the buying decisions for the homes. Uh, and when people hear that statistic, it actually takes them aback. It took me aback before I started in the mobile gaming industry four years ago. 
Um, I did not expect to hear that statistic. So um, it's actually a very key audience for brands to be in front of. So you're providing the, 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 the ability for the videos to appear there. So that means that an advertiser, are they logging into, are they, are they submitting their videos to ad colony or is that go, it gets tricky and there's terminologies you're probably more familiar with, but there's, is, or do ad exchanges, you're, you're interfacing with ad exchanges and they're the ones feeding the videos. No, so, so we own and operate our own ad exchange. Okay. So demand side partners can plug into our available inventory, purchase it, run videos. Okay. Um, the majority of the business we do um, is through client interaction of our own. So we either work with the client to do what's called like a managed service campaign, which is a traditional media campaign where we exchange contracts, they give us files, we run them, and then we send them an invoice. Um, programmatic advertising is obviously taking over the industry. So now we're working with a lot of trading desks uh, on what's called a PMP, like a private marketplace deal, where you know a lot of it's being done by them now. They're controlling the media buy. They're choosing where and when they spend the dollars through our platform. Uh, so a lot's constantly evolving and changing. Yeah, but at the end of the day, we own the inventory within these apps and they are purchasing it from us via programmatic means or via more traditional, you know, contract IO basis. Okay. Um, so who, who hires ad colony? Let's talk about, so I need to hire ad colony or partner with ad colony. Am I an advertiser? Am I a publisher? Am I, I'm an app developer. Is it, is it a mix? Yeah. So traditionally, um, you're a brand. You're, you're, in this case, an auto manufacturer, potentially, right? You could be okay. any of the major auto manufacturers. You work with your advertising agency. You guys discuss strategies for your upcoming campaigns, the type of target audiences you want to reach, the type of messaging you want to go to market with. And then the ad agency is the one who typically has a roster of vendors. Mm-hmm. They listen to what their brand wants to achieve, and then they go to their roster and say, okay, which of the partners that we have in our list will best serve us in achieving the KPIs that our client, our client wants to, to, to reach. Okay. They would tap Ad Colony to then successfully run a media campaign for the brand. Okay. So you, on the distribution side, you guys have to get, get apps to, to use your ads? To, to yeah, so that's Colony? You're full service, right? So, so, we have a team that's connecting with the app developers, getting them to embed our technology within their app so that they can monetize and we can have inventory to sell. And then we have a demand team that's going out to the brands and agencies, you know, pitching our services uh, and letting them know of our capabilities so that we can marry demand with supply yep. for a positive advertising experience for everyone involved. But you don't really control the the end user experience per se on how that video is, how that ad is served up and what that content is. The only thing you, I would say we don't control is all the time is what that content is. We do mm-hmm. control the experience, right? We're the ones that, you know, uh, are making the ad come to life. We're the ones that are, 
you know, own the technology that's delivering and serving the ad. We want to make sure that the user's having a positive experience, you know, with the brand. Uh, we can create video free of charge for our advertisers. It's a service that we do provide when uh, just simply by doing business with us. A lot of these major brands have their own creative agencies. So sometimes we'll just get creative from them and then we're just more tapped as an inventory source to actually run it for them. But yes, the, the, the user experience is something that we control, right? We go out of our way to provide a very, very positive user experience. If you go back to that example I gave you earlier uh, with the user-initiated value exchange video, uh, that's really one of the things that separates us you know, and our technology, right? Like the typical advertising experience, especially on a mobile device it, where you know, people are moving fast or trying to get from thing to thing on their mobile device, like, it's usually not a positive advertising experience when they have to stop and watch a 15 to 30 second video against their will per se, right? Right. As a publisher, you want to engage with a certain piece of video content and I'm forced to watch this commercial first. And typically it gives you negative, a negative moment. Uh, this, you know, uh, a situation where you're not having a positive brand experience, right? Like you might be served an ad and you're like, oh, like the, my favorite meme on the web talks about, it says, you know, the longest five seconds in your life is waiting for this. <laughs> so you can skip the ad. Right, exactly. Right. That's not something that a user experience, you know, a user experiences with Ad Colony. With Ad Colony, they're choosing to watch the video in exchange for something. So it's a value exchange. The user is telling the brand, you know, in exchange for my attention, I, you will give me X, right? So the brand wins because the user has a positive experience. The brand wins because the user's actually engaged in watching their video and all the metrics point to it, right? Our viewability statistics are average over 90 plus percent, um, which is an amazing statistic in advertising where most benchmarks are only 60 to 70%. And then our engagement rates, our click-through rates are three to five times industry standard as well. Because if you give the user a positive experience, they'll react positively. Give them a negative experience, they're going to react negatively. So one final question, then we got to wrap this up. So I appreciate this. This is good, this is good info. Um, and, and if you don't know the numbers, then that's fair. I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but in, in most cases, when you're using an app for free and, and you're out, you're allowed to use it, Hey, get 15 more tokens. If you watch this ad, okay. You have the option to purchase the app in, in a lot of cases, you can pay the, the fee to purchase the app and get rid of the ads to your knowledge. Is that the, do the, when that's the option, does the majority of people purchase the app or, or or just exchange to, you know, deal with the ads? Yeah, um, it's a good question, right? When the App Store really first came out, the way that most app developers tried to monetize their app was by selling their app, right? $2.99 for this app, $5.99 for this app. It, it didn't go well, right? People weren't willing to drop dollars in advance of actually even knowing how does the app function? What does the app do? Then they started putting out a free version that has limited access to give you a taste of it and then upgrade you to the pay one. That's kind of all gone away, right? Now it's more of a freemium uh, uh, setup, right? Which means they give you full access to the app, right? But yes, you have to engage and see ads in order to continue the experience. Uh, Pandora moved to this recently, right? Pandora used to have you know, a service where you get full commercials or a service where you get uh, pay money and you get no commercials, right? Now they just, they just put a user-initiated video function in there as well where you get 30 minutes of listening commercial-free for engaging with an advertiser, right? So more and more of these app developers are moving towards 
this value exchange setup because again, it's a win-win for everybody as opposed to one side typically winning uh, in, in, in the free world where the user's not paying anything or the other side potentially winning when they're now paying for a service that they traditionally were getting for free prior and not having as good of a user experience. Okay. That's good to know. I was very curious about that. Cool. Well, Jude, thank you so much for, uh, for hopping up here and, and, and talking with us. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. And uh, I'm a listener. I'll continue to be and uh, looking forward to future shows. Well, thank you, folks. So Jude Connor, Gen- O'Connor, sorry, General Manager of Brand in North America for Ad Colony. And again, we've got their global car buying study and infographic here on autoconverse.com. And you can get a direct link to that infographic there. And shouts out to Elizabeth uh, McFarland at Blast PR for, for hooking this up for us. So, right. um, Signing off. Thank you. Thanks, Jude. So, folks, just to wind things down, great guy there. And uh, appreciate, again, Elizabeth and Ad Colony for, uh, for hooking this up with us. Uh, latest podcast uh, is out on the AutoConverse podcast. Again, if you're not, if you're not subscribed and tuned in to the podcast, uh, do it today. If, you, if you've thought about getting into podcasting, start with this one. We do about two to three posts a week. We take this show, uh, we, we take this show and put it up there usually within a few days. Uh, we do we do some uh, uh, other webcasts that we do mostly around auto retail, and we put those up there. We do some special editions. So yeah, get dialed into the Auto Converse podcast again. If you want this show delivered to your phone uh, for the live stream, you don't have to watch it live, right? You can watch it anytime you want. Uh, text the keyword Auto Converse to six four six zero zero. And finally, while you're up there on the site, I just put this up this morning. Uh, this is the what I call the rewind video from the 2019 Chicago auto show. And you can see uh, this video, it's about five minutes long and you'll see me going from exhibit to exhibit. Got some great cars in there. Got the infinity prototype 10, the Lexus LC convertible coupe, just some nice conversations. I'll tell you the best one to look for is the, is uh, my interview at the Acura booth uh, with the, they had the 1991 NSX up there. So uh, so that's out there. Just put the video up onto our YouTube channel and uh, and up onto Facebook as well. Thanks again, folks, for tuning in. Uh, again, you can go to autoconversion.net. If uh, you want to watch this show on our website, just look for the AC On Air watch page. And you can subscribe to the show. You can join us here backstage. Richard Shrug, I see you up here pretty frequently. So thanks for Uh, being up here today. And I apologize, folks, I did not hit the watch page while Jude and I were talking. So if you were commenting, I will be up there after the show. But I apologize for not being up there during the live show. Great conversation. We'll be back same time, same place next week. I got got Terry Lancaster coming back on from the Get You Some radio show. And we're going to look at some ads and just have a nice casual conversation. Have a great rest of the day and week. And again, go do something kind for somebody today and be a good Samaritan to celebrate Good Samaritan Day. Take care, everyone. Thank you. This is Audiburst Media.